This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. Alrighty guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal cast. Going to be giving our take on something that might seem a little out of the ordinary, and that is a kind of under-the-radar announcement for MTGO. And while we typically don't discuss MTGO finance, mm-hmm. this may have somewhat of an impact on the paper scene that both of us believe for different reasons. Yep. Uh, so the announcement was basically that the return of unlimited tokens is coming. Um, what they said was, we're returning next Wednesday for two weeks. Next week's blog will cover all the details, blah, 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 blah. So basically, I have my opinion on it. Reptar has his, and let's go ahead and get started. Uh, so I love the idea of this fraternal weekend because uh, in you know the year of COVID, because that allowed people to play Moto, and it solved a problem that I've believed existed for a very long time, and it was shifting your collection from paper to digital. Why do you need to pay into it twice? You can, you were able to extract from moto to paper for a while though they've been trying to dial that back and this token allowed you to do that for these events and it was everything during eternal weekend and uh, i think gen con as well also Mm -hmm. got one of these and all you had to do was just say hey i want to play in an event you got the token for the weekend and then you could just run it for every event that happened that weekend if you wanted to join and this kind of piqued my interest because to me it meant if they could do it in a limited window that means it could be done permanently and it really at that point to me triages most of the problems that Watsi has with Moto as an application when you look at it from the standpoint of that dual collection as well as extracting paper cards from Moto the set redemption, which Watsi has been trying to sunset since Amonkhet. So, to me, as a player who does not have a Moto account, I like this idea. But when uh, I first broached it with you, I looked at it as kind of a negative because why wait this long to fucking do this? I mean, I think that's stupid too. I also think, and this is. I, I never thought I would say this, and anyone who's been following the cast for any length of time knows that Legacy is my absolute favorite format. Just make this permanent and officially announce that you are killing Legacy. I don't, you know, you've taken us to dinner five times now, and you yeah. go to get the car, and you leave us standing there. You drive off in the car. And for whatever reason, we keep going to dinner with you, expecting you to take us somewhere nice after dinner. And it's not happening. Nope, never. Just, just make it permanent. I, I think that, like you said, this is almost, it, it's the closest thing you get to the Pokemon system, where you buy the pack, you scan the code, you get the cards online mm-hmm. from the pack. And I think that that's been incredibly popular, and I think that making these all-access tokens a permanent subscription model would be great. Yep. Fine. I still have to pay event entry, I still have to do all that other stuff. I don't care. Nope. I just think that this type of thing is a good way for them to say, you know what, we can worry about arena later and we don't ever have to add legacy or modern or vintage or any of those formats to arena that's just going to be standard and historic great cool go yep. and that's all you have to do with it 
and you can just say, all right, we're going to do all of our eternal formats on Modo. Cool. We don't like them anyways. Admit it. Yeah. Sure, those cards probably crash in value. And you know what? Most of the people I know that play Legacy as players think that's fine. They just want to play the format. They just can't. Vendors, the cards that most vendors hoard from those formats are cards like Dual Lands that have EDH utility anyways. Other than that, they're just trading those as constantly as they can. So I don't really think there's much of a loss there for them either. Maybe I'm wrong. Just my two cents. Sorry. My little my little rant. No, it's good because you and I fundamentally agree. We just think about what happens in paper differently, like you mentioned at the top of this. I, as a legacy player and somebody who's you know tried to play vintage a few times, I want more people to be able to enjoy those formats in any way they can, digitally, paper, how, however you want to. Yeah, whatever it is, doesn't in, matter. Including myself. And I've been saying for years, uh, if I had a way to take my paper collection and digitize it, I would snap at that so I could actually play these formats online because I don't want to rebuy everything but if it becomes a subscription model and i can pay x dollars a month like i do to some other services or games and play these old formats because i have this token that allows me to then yeah by all means charge me for it i don't have to deal with cracking packs or winning tickets whatever the hell it takes to get the shit from bots and who cares about that economy at this point like monotraders etc disappears but at that point your ecosystem is really just formats supported by the token and drafts and if yeah. you still allow people to win packs from these events, that that means they can go into the drafts with those packs. It's really not the most difficult financial problem to solve in regards to the Moto ecosystem. It removes bots, which have been kind of a sore spot for Wasi for a very long time because it technically is against EULA, despite the fact that these people do use virtualization software and run like real accounts, multiple or stacked accounts on this software. They clip that and you just remove set redemption as a whole because that kind of creates this weird finance game for Watsi around Moto where they just have to have these sealed sets sitting in a warehouse for I don't even know how many more months after a set is officially finished. It's like maybe six additional months you have to re redeem your full set, foil or not, right now. Yeah. And they can announce the end of that as well and just make this entirely a digital product with a small subscription model. And that's perfectly fine because at no point in time is Watsi not taking money from people that, that play on this client. You can let people run it for free if they just want to draft and kind of go infinite the way they are or, you know, yeah. with whatever they have. And it's it's perfectly fine. You just let people buy draft or event tickets as needed, like you said. And I think that's perfectly okay. In regards to how it reflects into paper, I... I don't see it crushing paper because we don't really have these events anyway. And where you do, it's kind of, as we said for a while, these hotbeds that just yeah. never really cool. And people are going to play in those hotbeds and it doesn't really deter people from entering the format. It makes it more approachable. And I don't think it's going to spike prices necessarily, but it could push a few more people into these older formats once they're able to get over the hump of, oh, well, this format is too advanced for me. It's too difficult. There are too many decisions. And then on top of having to learn it, I've got to buy all these cards. Yeah, I have to pay five grand for a deck. And I think that, you know, you touched on something key there with more eyes on the formats, because if you can just get in for 15 bucks and, you know, hotbeds are hotbeds. Eternal yeah. Weekend's going to happen. Gen Con's going to happen, yeah. whatever. You know, you get some people in for, you know, 15, 20, 30, whatever. The, the price is a month, a year, doesn't matter and they like it well maybe then they actually try to build those paper decks to try to go to these eternal weekends to go to gen con because they hear how great it is because it's a bunch of us 
old curmudgeons just drinking till we can't see straight and playing magic. And if anybody thinks that isn't what those events are about, you are wrong. (laughs) Oh, boy, are they. Uh, And I, I think that that's a key component, too, is that one of the biggest things that people complain about that I have heard uh, seen on the internet everywhere is obviously the existence of the reserve list, the price restriction, whatever. This gives those people a way to try the format out to see if they actually like it first before yeah. they decide if they want to make a commitment to it. Absolutely. And if they, you know what, if we don't, doesn't matter. You can still play it all day online. Mm-hmm. Cool. And if anything, it may bring some more liquidity to some of those cards that, you know, are basically legacy staples like your stone forges. Stuff like that that isn't necessarily liquid because of EDH, but, you know, has value. And maybe maybe that's better. Maybe that actually does bring more value to it. Oh, yeah. And I, I think for one of the few times, uh, this this is a hashtag Watsi internet joke that I hope they make permanent because it's a good thing. And I hope they bring it back because I think that this is the type of thing that is just incredible value for everybody. Absolutely. Uh, and I don't think there's any reason why, play, if given the option to not pay for the token because you already own the cards, why players would dislike this just existing in the background. Because like I said, it, it doesn't really affect the ecosystem overall. The yeah. only thing you have to contend with as WASI is you have to ensure that your your rate is less than the lending services that exist. If you charge more than the lending services do, you'll never sell these. Well, so, yeah. you know, there, there's that bit to it. You can't give away enough stupid frills on Moto to make people want to pay at more money over, you know, monitors or something. Like, cool, I have another avatar. Whoop-de-poop. You know, it's Force of Will this time instead of, oh, like, a Birds of Paradise or Squeak. Yeah. Like, that's not going to cut it, right? That That's probably the biggest financial hurdle for them. And I'm hoping, like you said, that this is really just the test run to a longer solution because... I don't understand how this application survives without doing that because people are going to attrition off to arena over time as you know that's where standard moves that's where historic moves and if those remain you know the formats to play in paper all you all you will have left are the people that are playing these older formats and either will or won't care about the subscription model they're not going to sit around and crack packs they bought from no. you for this stuff absolutely not that's that's the big thing and prior to the cast we talked about it um there there's some oddities with uh moto that can't be solved with packs uh rich and port super expensive on moto until it was treasure chested just because it was six was another one yep Uh, force negation too yep just stuff that just due to low supply or a product that didn't exist on moto is like the reverse of paper Mm -hmm. you know Whereas most of Moto, you know, everyone goes to Underground Sea. Underground Sea is perpetually like 10 bucks on yeah. Moto for one. Silly Great. It's 500 paper, and that's like, oh, well, you should just go to this model. Well, you know, there's downsides. But I think that giving this token solves that. Yeah. And I think that if I am hoping that a bunch of people sign up for this, a bunch of people do it, and all of a sudden they're like, all right, yep, we're, this is our thing now. We're doing the thing. Yeah. Here's, here's your subscription model. Uh, arena doesn't work on your phone because you need a new phone and it's bad code anyways, but you can play bad code with old cards and it'll be fun. Yep. You you just run an emulator in Moto. It it takes nothing. And there there does exist the the boon for paper magic when you look at decks that have come out of Moto 
or formats that have come out of Moto to paper. And uh, again, precast, we're talking a little bit about, uh, as I was extrapolating my idea up to something a little more broad, I first thought, okay, were there any cards I could point at on Moto that were sleepers until noted and then popped in paper? And it really came down to KCI was the first deck that I could think of that was difficult to play on Moto because it's a lot of clicks, but a lot of the intricacy for that deck was learned on Moto. So you play it on Moto, you played it on Moto before it was, you know, things were banned. First, learn how the deck operates, and then you play it in paper. At that point in time, Modern was also a pro format, so you had a handful of pros on it already. So it's, it gets more looks on Moto and a couple of looks in paper as pros were playing it for the first GP in that season because Matt Nash ran it for like four to six GPs in a row that deck started to pop in paper from Moto results. Then around the release of Thassa's Oracle, we talked about Adnaz in Modern, which was a, a, a pick of ours, and uh, Doomsday both benefiting from the card Thassa's Oracle. Well, at that point, Modern and Legacy weren't really being played in paper. It was Pioneer, Historic, and Standard. Those cards saw a ton of play on Moto. Results started coming through, and then everything starts to pop in paper. And there does exist that opportunity that as more people are able to play Modern and Pioneer because they have these tokens, they don't have to worry about renting or buying, etc. these cards on Moto, that we do see some of these translated results from Moto affecting paper prices because people are going to be shifting to these cards when they're able to play again in paper and they need them. And it... I think it's just... It is, it is an indication, I hope, of the direction they're going in because I think it's a direction that they can go in that solves some PR problems for them. Oh yeah, that too, yeah. It it makes the reserve list argument a little bit better because you can say, look, we've got we've got this. This is great. Yep. You, you can play here. And it also allows Watsy to kind of be like hands off and be like, hey Card Titan, you want to do Eternal Weekend like three times a year for a GP? Run it. Yeah. Here's the software. Do it. Or uh, Star City can put Legacy back at some of their uh, multi-day yeah. events too this way, because all it takes is one token. Yep. I I just think that it's I think it is overall not just good for the MPGO health of the metagame. Yep. I think it financially, if this becomes permanent, it's good. Short term, obviously doesn't do anything. It's just two weeks of being able to fire Legacy and Vintage. Yeah. Great. It is what it is, but you know we're we're both hoping for the long t for the long haul. I'm also the kind of person that just wishes they would leave Vintage Cube up all year long so I could play that. And if they did right? both of those, if they gave me tokens so I could play any format I wanted and left Vintage Cube up all year long, I would probably live in Moto. Yeah, and just rotate through what kind of Vintage Cube it is. Fine, yeah. you can do Vintage Cube Prismatic, Vintage Cube yeah. EDH, whatever. Don't care. Just or bring Rochester Draft. Yeah, Supreme was a, a fun format as far as I could tell. Yeah. Like, I love cube content. It's some of my favorite content yeah. out there. Like it's great. More so than EDH. I love watching people cube draft on Moto because it helps me curate my own cube, and, it, like, those games are just super fun. Yeah, but, they are. I don't, it, this is probably something we'll keep uh, abreast of and, and let people know a, as it comes through because it does, you know, interest us, and I'm sure there are a number of other people who... You know, are, are interested in this as well and it impacts a lot of people in our ability to play Magic. Because yeah. The other thing is, you know, people are playing EDH by webcam because they don't own these cards in paper. Well, guess where you can play EDH permanently if you have this token? So. Moto. Yep. 
It is... I know, right? <laughs> Just give me, give me, give me, give me. Me, yeah. lucky breadsticks. Me, lucky breadsticks. Right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, quick topic overall, just because this is a, a wait and see kind of thing. But it is good to keep abreast of this. It, it does yeah. offer a lot. Um, you want to take your pick for the week? Crack yes. All right. So my pick uh, is Reflection of Late Yara. Card just got spoiled a couple days ago. Obviously, it's, you know, spoiler seasons, everyone losing their minds over all the cool stuff that's out there. Oh, here's this awesome new card. I can't wait to see this. It's going to be great. Sure. Awesome. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, this card is good for multiple reasons. So it is a five mana enchantment, which screams casual player anyways. Mm -hmm. As it comes into the battlefield, choose a creature type. Whenever you cast a spell of the chosen type, cast that spell. Or copy Tribes that spell. are great. Or copy that spell, yes, yeah. right. Copy that spell. Tribes are great. So casuals love tribes. Changeling exists. Yes. Uh, we know that elves, fish, slivers, all kinds of like prismatic stuff exists, and we're getting more and more tribes every year. We got cat generals finally and a bunch of cards spiked. We got mongrel and dog generals and a bunch of cards spiked. This is one of those cards that if you're in a five-color tribal deck, you're going to want this in here because it doubles all of your creatures. Mm -hmm. So right now, uh, pre-orders on Miniature Market are about 350 So this card is something that I see following a similar price trend to something like Smothering Tithe, an absolute rock star in EDH. Now, I think the interesting thing worth noting here is Smothering Tithe, when it came out and the set launched, your low was around four bucks. Mm -hmm. And then just a few months later, because uh, released in like January for Ravnica Allegiance, yeah, it was the early set that year. By April, the card had doubled in price on low to seven to eight dollars. Then we gradually tick up for a few months. In May, we hit about 12 bucks. And then just recently, a year after release, we're hitting $20 on this card. So Reflections of Lityara is the type of thing that I can see, you know what, I'm going to get as many as I can at $3.50. Mm-hmm. Because I think long term, this card in a few months hits a double up just from casual EDH. I think you see much more of that smothering tithe pattern because that's kind of become the standard with your EDH staples now. Yeah. You go back to Kaladesh and you have a card like Panharmonicon that took like six months to, you know, almost a year in some cases with like Paradox Engine and stuff like that to really see an uptick in its price. That window's a lot shorter now. And I think that this is going to be one of those cards that you're going to just see it in a booth at $10 and not blink an eye. You're going to see it in a deck list at $10, not blink an eye. Saffron Olive, Command Zone, someone is going to make a tribal list with this that's just like, hey, here's my dumb samurai deck, and you're going to love it. Or, well, samurais aren't blue, but whatever blue Uh, tribe. Not yet. I'm going to point something out, and not in regards to samurais, but this set has become a little more tribal than we thought. We got the World Tree, which looks to sacrifice gods. And today, or yeah, we got, or maybe yesterday, we got Maskwood Nexus. Yeah. A four CMC artifact. 
creatures you control are every creature type. The same is true for creature spells you control and creature cards you own that aren't on the battlefield. So previous to this, uh, I believe the first card that did this was Conspiracy. Then they printed two different uh, enchantments in blue that did the same thing. This is the first time that they have kind of removed the color restriction from this effect, and it powers up every other card that plays off of creature types. So Maskwood Nexus is super unique in this situation, and Reflections of Lit Yara kind of like comboing, so to speak, with Masks, or Mask is super helpful when it you can just play whatever you want across all five colors. Uh, yeah. You don't need to just limit yourself now to you know the particular color pattern of you know whatever general you're playing and that's it so you know if you're going to play samurai you'd be like white and red so you need some random boros general or if you're playing um dragons you're probably looking at junt i, I mentioned yeah. on twitter kind of jokingly but i really think this is going to be the case you just play sliver overlord as your general that's all five colors with mask now every creature in your deck is every creature type which means everything is also a sliver so you just go fish sliver overlord yep. you pay three and you go fish and reflections of lit yara lets you, lets you do some really dumb things because sliver overlord is your an incredible enabler for this kind of stuff and it's one of the best five color generals for this you can look at morphon you can look at godos yep. etc uh or golos not godos um goto is a bad card uh that are these great five color generals somebody joked about reaper king etc like you yeah. just pow you just play five color great stuff now and reflections flip fits into that perfectly because you can play some of the most absurd cards across your desired tribe or even outside of your desired tribe like a light splash into something else yeah. and it's going to just be this powerhouse card in whatever you're doing and I liked less uh, reflections to begin with. I thought it was really interesting and kind of cute. I was like, this is a really interesting way to riff on Riku of the Two Flames, which allows you to copy yeah. creatures or spells as you cast them. And then we got Mask, and it just is just insane. Reflections is just insane. So, I I like the pick uh, overall. I agree that this is just going to be a card that once whatever price tag it holds, you're just not going to bat an eye at over time. Um, the one of the, one of the things we did mention, and I don't know if people were able to see it, but there are two different arts for this. There is the set art and like a bundle art or something else, and yeah. we don't know exactly what the population of the alt art is going to be just yet because it's not alt frame, which leads us to believe it's not going to be in collectors boosters. So we'll kind of see on that. Um, there is also an extended art of it as well. Yep. Uh, however, this being one of the more casual cards, I think you're fine picking up the basic one, and it doesn't really matter. People are just going to need it to have it. Agreed. So, yeah. the people that are going to buy, you know, these at first are going to be the ones that float the price of all the versions, and then you can either you can either get in now, which I think is perfectly fine if you can get in around three fifty, or you can try and wait it out a couple of weeks after the set and hope it drops. But as you mentioned, Panharmonicon, it took a while to go up, but it started high. Yeah. It started at like a predicted price point where not for set release, but like that length of time that it was just flat until it started to go up, that was the predicted price. Yeah. Before the spike. And so <clears throat> I, I think getting in now is uh, on whatever version you feel like it is the way to go, absolutely. You know, we'll track the, the regular version because that'll be the most accessible, like we've talked about over the past couple of weeks. But this is just, you know, a slam dunk pick overall. It's just so good non-limiting and what you're trying to do and just feeds into you know the, yeah. the casual nature of the format tribal yeah it's yeah. great 
Yeah, also to to go back to the Sliver Overlord thing, when you're when all your creatures are one type, it allows you to play lands like Sliverhive and some of these uh, like there's the land that just casts like rogues, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever um like all those lands that tap for chroma as long yeah. as they have a, a certain creature type, they all still work under Maskwood Nexus. It doesn't matter which one you use. So if you're thinking like, oh, it's going to be difficult to cast all of my creatures in a five-color deck like this, not really. You have a lot no. of options in front of you. It's going to be more difficult to cast your non-creature spells that require CMCs like that. It's going to be a delicate balance in your mana base, but it's really not much to worry about, especially if you play, you know, the litany of uh, two to three mana, uh, two to three color lands that we have access to now. My card is a little bit different than yours overall. I'm sticking with a specific theme instead of just being wide open with tribal. And it is time reversal. Now, uh, I'm picking this a little late. We are kind of two spikes away from uh, where we should have been. But the last spike is kind of a, a false positive, and I've just been waiting on it to kind of course correct. So uh, it spiked to Decoria, and that was the Commander 2020 release where we got... EX, I never know how to pronounce this thing. Y-X-R-I-S. The one that makes snakes when your opponents draw cards, right? Ixris, so it's I think. Yeah, whatever yeah. it is. So it spikes and it drops back down. And we're about a dollar up from where we were pre-spike. And I'm okay making this as a pick now instead of a dollar card. Right? So uh, time reversal is, you know, another uh, wheel. You know, it's another tool in the kit. And when you look at the EDH rec data, it, it's pretty clear what this... Uh, goes into uh, overall you've got generals that promote drawing as many cards as possible in the locust god you have a, a bunch of niv mizzets and you have um i don't know how to pronounce his name kaidel kadele um two uh, Kydel, yeah yeah two and simic add a colorless for each card you've drawn this turn so obviously you just play draw as many cards make a ton of colors mana and then you have punishing generals like nexar and uh Yerix, which I consider punishing because it triggers off of your opponents doing a thing. So overall, these strategies are pretty clear-cut. What you want to do with time reversal is, you know, very obvious. It doesn't really extend itself to much else because it's not the greatest wheel effect. There are other options that are a bit better. So uh, the Punisher strategies, like I mentioned, they're helmed by Nekasar, and they're in the, the minority of overall decks that play time reversal uh, because they provide a lot of uh, feel-bad moments in a fairly casual format. So you just kind of like, you acknowledge it, but you skip by it. It's not what's really pushing this. You're looking yeah. more at Spellslinger decks, which are, you know, Mizzet decks, or uh, like decks that make creatures or want to go tall with uh, Nerex, the Locust God, or uh, Shabraz, which is the <laughs> shark bird, the Azor shark yeah. bird, right? And in those decks, as I mentioned, this is a, another tool in the kit. Uh, Yurix is the card that actually breathes new life into uh, Time Reversal. That was the spike around Decoria because it was in the, the 2020 deck. And yeah. it fits exactly into the Hold On, I'm Drawn theme. And it is, you know, the newest general in the available pool. As a card overall, it does compete with other options in the space. As I mentioned earlier, the reason it's not as popular across the format as it could be is because there are cheaper options like Whirlpool Rider, which is also a creature, so it allows you to repeat or cards that do more like Time Spiral, which, you know, untap uh, your, your six lands. So it limits its adoption across the format, but within these strategies, it is a staple. 
because it does exactly what it needs to. It's cheap in terms of CMC and it's cheap in terms of price right now. So, uh, you know, these, these strategies generally always get a, a, a look and Watsi is always trying to promote them here and there and we get a new general every couple of years. So overall in the format, it is limited in scope, but that scope is always increasing. Now, as I mentioned, uh, in regards to timeline, we did miss, miss the second spike uh, around Acoria, but while we're overpaying around a dollar uh, after the price retraction from the spike, we're fine getting in here. The reason I brought up on stocks the larger graph overall, and I'll bring it up again, is because I believe this is going to be the trend following this uh, most recent course correction in price. You know, it's going up again. This is why I jumped on this card almost a month after adding it to my list. And I think what's going to happen is it's going to probably take about 12 months to be able to get out of this card to buy list. This is just natural demand here. It's going to take 12 months because even though we got a brand new general, right, for this deck, the deck strategy overall doesn't change. A lot of the cards in the decks don't change. Yurix just didn't breathe enough life into the strategy to really keep that, uh, that spike up towards uh, 4 or $5 alive. It retracted very quickly. That's why I think natural demand, 12 months. Between now and then, if we see anything come out, you know, maybe we get a couple more cards that promote this, new generals, etc. We could see this pop faster, but I doubt it. I think no, this is a 12-month uh, spec no matter what. <clears throat> and to park, you know, $10, $20 here in a card that, is most likely not going to be reprinted because they just have riffed on this several times since and all those cards just go in the same deck we are safe on this it was reprinted once in 2012 and that was it i don't think we're going to get it again i think the other interesting thing with this is it's the type of effect that they typically will print obviously in core sets Yes. Something they like doing stuff like that there. Uh, it has had multiple opportunities where it would have fit in an EDH deck, and thus far we've kind of dodged that. I think that's interesting because it shows that there may be, for whatever reason, some reticence for them to include this type of thing in an EDH set. I also think that you touched on reasoning when you were talking about why the spikes happened. Excuse me, that are honestly kind of perfect. Because when effects come in that want you to draw cards, that want you to do stuff like that, this is much more relevant and you're more likely to get eyes on it. It's also something that they have reiterated I don't even know how many times now in different forms. And they've reiterated since this card was printed in different forms. Yes. And typically, rather than go visit a prior iteration, they'll just say... All right, well, what's the next time twister? The next strictly worst time twister? Yep. How are we doing this? I, I'm just going from there. Yep, I, I want to cite two perfect examples. So you mentioned printing it in corset. The last corset printing I can remember in a card I looked up for comparison's sake, Days Undoing. Yeah. Two, two in the blue, it's the exact, uh, almost the exact same thing. And it is, you know, look up any one of those decks, it is in the list. Um, yep. Each player shuffles their hand into the library, draws seven cards. If it's your turn, end the turn. So that's the additional on days on doing, right? Then the most recent printing that we have, the most recent riff on this, is in Modern Horizons with Echo of Eons. And they gave it flashback in that instance. 
And so when you cast it the first time, <laughs> look, man, Sorry. I just the card's wanna, great. I, I just want to pop my LED. Yeah, I just want to pop my LED and flashback Echo of Eons after playing a bunch of cards for Storm. It's psh, easy clap game, but it, this is the riff that you're talking about. You know, what is the next thing that we can do? Well, we can make it. We can make Twister a three CMC card again if we give it flashback for three, and you get around the six up front. And so that was to my point of they remake this and this one suffers a little bit because it doesn't do as much as some of the other options or it's a poor option because of how much it costs in comparison. But it is always part of the deck. And at, as you mentioned, the saving grace is that riff. Yep. If we see it again, you know, there's opportunity in Time Spiral 2 unless that set is literally just time spiral again, which it kind of looks like it is or modern horizons two for this. It's yeah a little doubtful at this point in time that we get another time twister in a core set because it's been a minute since it's happened. Uh, but that's where they like to put goofy time twister and time walk effects sometimes. Yeah. I think what is it was a time warp was the last time we got one of those, but they did put it in the Ixala rival or whatever the, the Explorer's box set or whatever that board is. Exactly. Yeah. And that reprint did tank the value of Time Warp for a bit, but it came right back. Yeah. So I, I expect this these cards to be essentially, you know, reprint proof as long as they don't literally do not put them in another core set. And even then they will come back in time because it just makes it more accessible. Especially at Mythic, it's not really gonna take it much below much below the three dollar watermark that we're sitting at right yeah. now. Yeah going to be very difficult to take it from three dollars to one dollar when it actually has a home it is not a popular home but it has a very well-defined home right now and also who knows if you put it in a corset that's more people looking at this card it is eight to nine years old right now and if you're not yeah. looking at these decks explicitly you're kind of going to miss this card because it just kind of breezes through the format when you're not looking at these themes, unlike, like I said, I mentioned Time Spiral and Whirlpool Rider. These cards are a little more ubiquitous in the format. They just shine a little bit brighter. But when you give it that reprint, people might start looking at this for other things. Like, a oh, Wheel of Fortune costs too much in my blue-red X deck, but I could play something that costs a little more overall, and, and it works just as well. It works alongside Reforge the Soul and some of the other cheaper options financially. You know, yeah. it does present that opportunity. And at that point, there's still organic demand and it's still a card that goes up in price. It just takes longer. And that 12 month timeline turns into, you know, 18 or 24, what have you. I think it's also the kind of thing that touches on something that as a vendor, uh, some people may overlook sometimes as it cards like this, even just like not as a spec, just as like, this is something I may just want to have in like a bulk box at a booth. Yeah. Or I may want to have make sure I always have stocked in my binders. Yeah. Because it's the kind of thing that people just browse and they realize they need, so it's good to always have that $3 Mythic Rare card in there to round out a transaction. Exactly, yeah. It's definitely a binder or a bulk box kind of card right now. You're 100% correct on that. That's where I would expect to find this because these are not well... Sorry. They are well-defined themes. They are not highly played themes right now. And yeah, I think that that's important to note. The moment that they are and this card gets a little more popular, it's going to be pulled out. And even if it still has a three to five dollar price tag, you're not going to find it in those anymore unless they're played or what have you. So, yeah. 
That's, that's why I went with this card. I was just kind of chomping at the bit to get it off my list because it's been there for a month and it really was undeserving of this, like... <laughs> you know, Sludge this that it's been... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I understand the spike for uh, Yurix. There was a lot of hype around that card that just never came through. This is not the only card that got hyped at that point of, at that point in time. I didn't believe in it at all because it dealt with snakes and snake tribal is stupid for right now. Like, you, they're just... You need... At mask maskwood nexus to support snake tribal so you can play better lords for your snakes it's dumb but that's yep. how you improve snake tribal is with non-snakes and this didn't really work out you know you can play uh concordant crossroads and fervor and anger till you're blue in the face and give your snakes haste but you just can't really get the job done which with a bunch of one ones and some five cmc lords you're not getting there and like no. it was just as weird expectation that this car that Yurix would be better than the Locust God or Niv-Mizzet or uh, Talrand if you're playing a Spell Slinger Mono Blue Spell Slinger right it's just yeah. it didn't pop it's sad and so we just kind of have to wait for the cyclical, cyclical nature of things where we do see another one of these generals come around but in the meantime we have organic demand finally back behind this card raising the price so pretty great yeah I, I hope so uh, other than that though uh, we have a new quick hits for this week that'll probably go out over the weekend and we're going to try and get those out uh, a little bit more something we just dis we discussed behind the scenes because finance isn't stale overall but without a, a lot of events to go to and a lot of events unique events to watch um there there's not a whole lot of unique things that we can cover quickly behind the scenes with our quick hits so we're going to try and get to some more of those on some uh, less financial related topics so you'll be hearing from uh, more from us and I do have a f the follow-up interview with our guest from a couple of weeks ago who talked about uh, with me what it was like to uh, work a troll and what all those positions were like and the follow-up is going to be talking with her about what it's like to do all of that work now uh, by herself so stay tuned for that but until next week unless you've got something else nada we are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I don't know the name of that one. I think it's just Google Podcasts. I think so. Uh, and you can find me at Halt I Am Reptar on Twitter. You are at Thirsty Sizzler. We'll see you next week. <laughs>